Okay, we shall continue our sermon sessions in the Gospel of Luke. And we will find ourselves this day with the portion of verses, uh, let me see here, 57 through 80, which would, of course, accomplish the chapter. Verses 57 through verse 80. Thus far, of course, we've recognized the penmanship of Luke as an inspired writer. He is miraculously governed by the Holy Spirit to write God-breathed information in the uh, revealing of the Christ, His death, burial, resurrection, witness, and ascension as the Messiah, the King, the Anointed One, and, of course, the journey from its very essence uh, and beginning to the fulfillment of the cross, and of course, to the resurrection, conquering death, and allowing humanity life through him, our King. And we've looked at the birth of John the Baptist being foretold. We've certainly recognized Mary and Elizabeth, and the, uh, 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 the child that was in the womb. And we've recognized how Mary, uh, inspired and passionate, in her delivery, spoke words of great praise and glory to the God she, of course, submits to. And we shall recognize in this portion today also from Zacharias, who was made humble to recognize the information of God's word. And we are wise, of course, to humble ourselves to the word of God, which is the light that shines a path forward, though a narrow path, it is indeed the light that shines forward in this very fallen and untoward generation. In verse 57, I quote, it says, Now the time had come to, uh, for Elizabeth to give birth, and she gave birth to a son. And her neighbors, in verse 58, and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed His great mercy toward her. And they were rejoicing with her. We recognize, of course, here a descriptive uh, power. God, merciful towards this woman who would hold a child that would indeed, through free will, be the vessel paving the way forward for the Messiah. And so there is great joy in the community, and there is great joy in the family. And it happened in verse 59 that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. Do we understand why it should have been done on the eighth day? Isn't that quite revealing to the mind of our God that he saw it fit to understand the very intricate details of human biology in which only permits a child to be circumcised on the eighth day. If it would be prior or after, there would be dire situations which could have removed the child from this earth. A bit of a side note excursion for your thoughts and growing faith that God knows all things and he is certainly the one we should uh, listen to when it comes to this uh, uh, very information. So it happened on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zacharias. After his father. 
Well, of course, it's the custom, it's the culture, it is honorable. It is indeed something that would continue the lineage and respect of his father. It's something we've been doing for a great many years. We should continue to do so. It is an honor to do so. Of course, the child's going to be called Zacharias. He is a son. But his mother, Elizabeth, answered, and she says in verse 60, No, indeed, but he shall be called John. Well, now, wait a minute. His name's supposed to be Zacharias. Who is she to now breach the chain of our traditions in the way we've always done things in the custom of our culture? The child has to be called Zacharias. What is she saying? And she says it, of course, with great strength and courage. And you will recognize that through the penmanship of Luke, he certainly elevates women and their roles and their task and their strength. And Elizabeth speaks with strength and says, No, not in, no the child's name must be John. And they said to her in verse 61, There is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. Why on earth would you call him John? You don't even have that name within your ancestral lineage. It's borderline blasphemous to speak such a thing. Well, they made signs to his father in verse 62 as to what he wanted him called. Ah, Elizabeth must have a breach of thought. She may be sick or weak at this moment. She perhaps is not accustomed in this day to the traditions of our way. We will speak to the authority, the man of the house. Zacharias will tell us that the name of the child will be Zacharias, and we as relatives and community members and neighbors will continue, therefore, the chain of our tradition, so forth. And it is also, of course, a revealing time, is it not, in the first century, where women, if you will, of course, were not a voice of public authority. It was for the man. And so the courage of Elizabeth at this time, of course, is notable that she would speak out in such a way. Remember, Zacharias can't speak. He's been made mute. He had to learn something, you see. And so they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. And in verse 63, he asked for a tablet. Zacharias asked for a tablet. He's mute. He can't speak. So he wants to write something. And he wrote on this tablet as follows in verse 63. His, whose, his son's name is John. It is John. A husband that sides with his wife? Among a crowd of relatives and community members? Wow. And they were all astonished 
you see there is a breach of the cultural and traditional line. Something different here has happened. It's quite astonishing indeed that Zacharias would write the name and the name could be read, which would reveal, of course, the mind of God and the purpose in which God designed the vessel John in his will. And at once, verse 64, his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he began to speak in praise of God. Don't miss the point that is so revealed by the Holy Spirit. Zacharias had to be humbled and had to be molded in a functional and operational vessel for God. That came about by disciplinary action. He was muted. And that, of course, allowed his heart to be humbled to understand the will of God. And he wrote it on a tablet. And it was read. And it was understood. And only once it was written, from the right motive of the heart, written, read, understood, did God open the mouth of Zacharias. Did Zacharias somehow meritoriously earn God's favor to speak yet again? You better let me speak, God, because I wrote John here on this tablet, and that's what you wanted me to do, and I did it, so you better let me speak. Well, of course not. You see, we are the humble recipients of God's freely given gospel, but that is not void of responsibility in which we must be the recipient. We must receive. If I am to tell you with the coming season in which individuals give each other gifts, I say to you, I want to give you a freely given gift. Oh, thank you, sir. Absolutely. You must go to the... Um, oh, Where's the place where they have letters and mail? The mail place? The post office? Let's call it the post office. That's it. It's there for you. It's at the post office. Will you tell me I don't need to go to the post office? Well, then you won't receive the freely given gift. His name is John. And they were all astonished at that. How can this be? How can this be permitted? What is happening here? And at once his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. Mouth opened, tongue loosed, capable of speaking. And he began to speak in praise of God. What's the first thing that comes out of his mouth once he had become the recipient of the freely given gift of voice, words, praise to God. Praise to God. My dear friends, we are among the living this morning. We are among the living. We breathe air. We hear. We see. We speak. We smell. We have a mind to think. What will we use it for? 
Have we been humbled? Are we wise enough to recognize the words on the tablet? That there is a change now. The tradition has been broken. And something is being introduced. Interesting indeed, if our hearts are right. If not, you'll just be bored. And we'll start looking at time. When do we leave? But if it's right here, it'll be right there. At once. No need for several months with rituals and shrines. Repetitive, vain, idle actions. At once the power of God. Of course, this is a recorded and witnessed account of a miraculous occurrence. At once he can speak. And the first thing he does, of course, is to speak in praise of God. Two kind of men. One of them, as we have recorded here, has been humbled to praise God. He is beyond thankful to God for allowing him such a blessing. My wife will bear a son named John who will prepare the way for the Messiah. He has humbled me. He has made me a mute so I could change my thoughts and begin to see and perceive a different path in life. Friends, why are you here? I assure you, if you pay close attention to the words of God, rightly handled, you'll begin to recognize something quite different. It's a matter of the mind towards God. And the other man would have been allowed to speak, would have immediately used it to curse God. How dare you make me a mute for so long? Pharaoh, pride. Pharaoh didn't want to allow the people of God to be let go because Pharaoh was his own God. How dare another God tell me I must release the slaves? I am a God. And yet still, plague after plague after judgment and judgment. He angered himself more and more against God. God hardened his heart. How? By telling him he needed to repent and he didn't want to. Why? Pride. For Zacharias, quite the difference. Why? Humble. Can we take God's disciplinary love? Can we receive it and thank him for it? Which category will we fall into when we face various trials and temptations and tests, when we go through sorrows and loss? Will we be humble to thank God and be allowed another day of life to work for Him in His kingdom? Or will we stiffen our necks in pride as Pharaoh did and lose our soul? Eh, interesting information. Nonetheless, we continue in verse 65. Fear came on all those living around them. 
And all these matters were being talked about in all the hill country of Judea. This is not a tucked away, isolated occurrence. This is something that the community was recognizing and fearful. There is a great change upon the people. All who heard, in verse 66, all who heard them kept them in mind, saying, What then will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. There has to be something with this child. He is quite unique. Not only is the traditional lineage been broken, but we have seen a man made mute now speak, and his words are in praise to God. And Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was endowed with the supernatural ability, yet still a free will thinking mind, independent and accountable, to speak great passion and description and honor and song and prayer to God. We've seen Mary do so in the blessing, and now we see Zacharias do so as well. And it's interesting to me, from pride, being humbled in being mute, being educated and learned to submit to the word of God, he delivered the word of the son he has named John, now given the ability to speak, he praises God and he has words to say. Do we pray? Do we pray words of praise to God? And his father Zacharias, in verse 67, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. Divine intervention. Remember, it had been 400 years since God, had intervened among humankind. The span, of course, of intertestamental period, from the last book of the Old Testament to the new book, the first book of the New Testament. 400 years, which, Lord willing, in our study classes in the coming years, we will look into that period and you will see the power of providence it is truly fascinating, and it will grow your faith much stronger. Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant, according to the lineage and the prophecy the Christ came. And of course, this was spoken by the apostles as they stood up among the people, recorded in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, speaking yet again of this lineage. For 
the mind of Israel would understand and have great honor and respect for the ancestral lineage and the seed of the Messiah to come from David. In verse 70, he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. You see, the Messiah was prophesied by the prophets of old. Salvation, verse 71, from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. In holiness, verse 75, and righteousness before him all our days. Friends, we recognize an orderly praise to the great I Am. In the coming Messiah, and this information is made possible by His Majesty, His grace, through the sole recipients of the humble. In Acts chapter 2, those who warmly received the Word obeyed the Gospel. In Acts chapter 9, I believe, or 7, 7 I perhaps, the people murdered Stephen. It's very important that we look in the mirror and ask ourselves what motive of the heart do we have. The lineage is right and the prophecy is accurate. He speaks of salvation and he speaks of rescue. If you were made captive, apprehended by hostile, barbaric enemies, and you've been made a captive, enslaved, and shackled in a dungeon, you would seek to be rescued. You would seek salvation. And through the Christ, these things are made possible in regards to the shackles of sin for you and I this day to be set free. And Zacharias, speaking and writing of an inspired mind, understood the source of salvation. My dear friends, it is not found in man. It is not found in idols. It will not be found in vain idol rituals, shrines, or traditions. And that is not to say that it is evil inherently to have tradition. There is good tradition. We meet weekly for studies and for worship. That is a good tradition. It is an inspired tradition by the penmanship of the Holy Spirit instructing us to practice righteous tradition. But there is evil tradition and there is unrighteous tradition. 
And we can be rescued. We can be saved by the forces of evil away from the darkness and evil that sadly contaminates so many of us. Verse 76, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give to His people the knowledge of salvation. Why is that so important? Pay attention to the words of the Holy Spirit. All of us have access to the words of this book, the Holy Spirit's work, His penmanship. Why does He speak such things in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, such an orderly way? Knowledge of salvation. Friends, Christianity is an educated religion. It is an educated religion that can be held with tangible evidence that you can defend in an honorable court of law. It is not to be made subject to the whims of mankind's ever-changing emotions. If you are to know how to receive the freely given gift of salvation, you must be educated in the Word for the crowd and the community to understand what Zacharias was expressing. They had to read the words on the tablet. Was God's commandments not written on the tablets in the days of old? And for you and I today, do we not have access to the perfect law of liberty? The 66 books of the Holy Bible now accomplished and fulfilled. It's an education. You do not know how to be saved by feeling. Yet, once you are educated in the knowledge of knowing how to be saved, then you feel very joyful. To give to His people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. The power of the Christ can remove us from the fear that our enemies seek to tyrannically oppress us with. And sin can have no hold on us. And the realm of damnation is no longer is no longer a threat to our lives if we are willing to understand the information rightly handled. Zacharias spoke great words in regards to the great I am, his son the Christ, and also John, who would prepare the way. In the wintertime here, you will see in the city and everywhere's a budgeted organization to clear the streets of snow. We call them the plow. So the plow, once we've had snowstorms, will come in and blow the snow outside of the streets so that we can drive the streets safely. John was purposed to pave that way for the Messiah to come in. John came speaking to the people, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 4, the Christ, repent.
for the kingdom of God is at hand. Verse 78, because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us. Verse 79, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. It's an education. It's a knowledge. It's something we must learn. And that is indeed God's grace. His grace teaches us to flee from what is evil and to cling to what is right if we seek to be rescued from the dungeon of sinful thoughts, religious beliefs, activities, all sorts of corruption, to be set free away from the bondage of a lie, the truth, my dear friends, is made available. And in verse 80, the child continued to grow and to become strong in spirit, spirit wind, wind words, words. And he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance to Israel. If we seek something more than the word, we are robbing ourselves from the power of the word. This generation seeks signs. No signs will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. And what is the sign of Jonah? Repent. Change. Change the way you think. It will change the direction of your life. A great change was taking place among the people of the first century, in the culture of Israel, among the Jews. For 400 years, the traditions had been built and religious leaders had been born and had since created their own interpretations to various scripture and had since bound ordinances upon the people. And now there is a break, a fracture in that organization and the people are fearful. We are creatures of habit. When we are accustomed to a thing, we tend to cling to a thing. And when someone speaks of a different way, we become cautious with it. John the Baptist would pave the way for Christ the Messiah. Christ the Messiah would come to speak words allowing us education to learn He is the way to salvation and we must change. We must seek legal citizenry in His kingdom for the Christ was crowned king when He accomplished the gospel plan of redemption for mankind. And that, of course, is available to all mankind. While we live and breathe and have a thinking mind, we can be born again. The first time we were born was out of our mother's womb. That is not the birth. The birth we must seek is the second one. Out of water and the Spirit. The Spirit are the words we read. They instruct our minds. They give us knowledge and education. Will we act upon them? The Christ says, I love you. I want to forgive you of your sins. I want to add you to my kingdom. Will we find ourselves as Pharaoh? No. It goes against my religious beliefs and my traditions that was given to me by my ancestral lineage. And you will die in your sins, fully convinced that you're on the way to heaven and you ain't. Or 
Can we be humbled to Zacharias' mind and speak words of passion towards our Lord, calling on His name, being born again out of water and the Spirit? These things, of course, more so revealed as we will be moving forward. It is always available to all souls to be born again, to be saved by Jesus Christ. If you do have sin in your life, in your mind, confide to a brother or sister. Do not keep it bottled in. These are the words of an inspired power. The words of the Bible. And they change us. And they make us better. And it is all to His glory. We must not allow ourselves to be contaminated. We must seek what is right. Seek ye first, Matthew 6.33. Okay, that will conclude this portion of our sermon session. Next week, Lord willing, and interestingly enough, we find ourselves in chapter 2 in regards to the birth of the Christ. And uh, we shall proceed that way as we remain focused and positive on the Word. For now, we go to a song. <laughs>